Luka Doncic was fantastic yet again, but the Mavs are getting help from some unexpected players, and Nikola Jokic got ejected for what? Does the NBA have a ref problem? We'll break it down in today's episode of Locked On NBA. Let's go. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On NBA, the daily podcast covering everything you want to know about the association, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On Wednesdays, I'm your co-host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I am joined by Swiper here from Locked On Nuggets. Dude, appreciate you uh, subbing in. Pretty pretty good night to have you on the show with the Nikola Jokic ejection. Yeah, I figured I was going to be able to come to you talk about a great Serbian heritage night in Chicago and Joker having a phenomenal game, but didn't get that at all. No, we'll, we'll break that one down coming up in the second segment of today's episode of Locked On NBA because that's, oh, that one was so bad. Today's episode of Locked On NBA brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On NBA for $20 off your first purchase. But Let's start with the Dallas Mavericks beating the Los Angeles Lakers, 127-125. Luka Doncic, absolutely ridiculous in this one. 33 points, 17 assists, including this wraparound pass around Jackson Hayes of the Lakers that, like, I don't even know how anyone sees that. Looks why, but with them saying that Kyrie Irving's not going to be available for the foreseeable future, he's in a walking boot on crutches, is Luka just playing at like that high of a level where he can just carry this team pretty far? Because the Lakers have looked really good recently coming off the in-season tournament win. You had AD play well. You had LeBron play well. And that wasn't enough against kind of a depleted Mavs team, almost because of Luka, it feels like. Well, yeah. I mean, Dante Exum's been playing really well. Had 26-4-3 and three for him today. Grant and Williams even was 7-9 from the field. 5-7 of seven from 3. Absolutely lighting up the Lakers. Great spot-up shooter. Uh, Seth Curry, 1-2 from 3 tonight. Here's the thing, you know, the Mavericks, you know, in respect to the Lakers, they, they won the in-season tournament. They legitimized it by being a championship-level team that won that tournament. But they also played the Pelicans and played the Pacers. And then they played, uh, you know, the Suns still kind of putting their team together in L.A. So the teams they played against were good. Uh, but it came down to the wire in that Suns game. And even with the Pacers and the Pelicans, the Mavericks were just a better team than both of them. And I think Anthony Davis, 37-11. and 11, for Anthony Davis today, back-to-back really good games from him. LeBron James, seemingly 38 years old, it is not slowing down, 33-8-9 and nine on 14 of 27 from the field, and you still lose. The Mavericks, their whole strategy, Jake, is going to be how do we get Luka the ball, and then when he does have the ball, can we get him in the action he likes? Can he get to the rim? Can he get step-back three-pointers? And can he create open shots for other people on his team, either run run for lively or getting the shooters out in the corners and in space and maximizing those really high shot quality attempts they're going to get? And they did that. And again, notice, Jake, I didn't mention anything about defense because they know <laughs> they don't have the personnel to do it. But can they outscore you? They can. And you saw that versus a Lakers defense that's been, what, top three since Bando came back. Yeah, this is like when you look at the Mavs, right? It's like almost like a race to 125, 130, and whoever gets there first really might win that game because there's no defense being played. And when they get the three point shooting that they got in this game, 21 for 43, 44, almost 50%. Let's round up and call it that, right? right? Like, yeah, you're going to be tough to beat when you have Luka pulling the strings and and doing everything there. I don't know if you're going to count on this from Dante Exum every game. 
right? You know, I, I know Tim Hardaway Jr. has been very good for them, but they need some other guys to step up. They got a little bit lucky, I think, in this one relatively here. But on, on the flip side for the Lakers, right? Again, LeBron with 33, Anthony Davis with 37. And then you have Austin Reeves off the bench with 22. And like, that's it, right? Like getting nothing from D'Angelo Russell from them in this game. Three of nine, one of four from deep, right? Seven assists is good, but seven total points. That feels like an area that, I don't know, for a while it seemed like, is that something that's going to be tenable for them this whole season? Or do they need to like look at moving him and trying to upgrade that position? Well, here's the thing. It's like, what are you upgrading for D'Angelo from? He's a $17 million a year point guard. You're getting pretty good value for from that number. I mean, yeah. Reggie Jackson, for instance, making five million dollars a year, and so you see where Reggie is. So if Reggie Jackson for another team is providing five straight starts of twenty points or more, and then you're getting D'Lo, who's a good playmaker, he's a good spot up shooter, he creates well for Anthony Davis, he's good. But Jake, the problem is their defense. Like their defense is going to bring them home, and for you to get absolutely buzzsaw tonight. Granted, it was in Dallas, and granted, you had a down game, but this is the Lakers' strategy. You get Austin Reeves, gives you enough. LeBron gives you enough. Anthony Davis gives you enough. But, Jake, they have to win games 102-107, 108-112, something around. They can't go too much farther than that because if you do that, then you're asking the role players in that roster to consistently perform offensively, and we already know. Anthony Davis is going to struggle offensively because he's a play finisher. I mean, he's not going to be great all the time. And LeBron James, he's your only true playmaker, true isolation scorer you can continue to go to. And so, you know, even made these numbers isolation really good this year in, in post up, but I don't think that's going to stand for 82 games. So I actually like D'Lo's part with this team. I think the issue is, is that if you're looking at a 127-125 game, well, you didn't lose because D'Lo didn't score. You lost. That's fair. You couldn't stop anybody. Yeah, that's a that's actually a great point with it. I mean, do you think they can lean more on offense? They're not playing Christian Wood, didn't get any minutes in yo, you're just like stick to the identity, no. everything. You immediately I like that though. You immediately were like, don't do anything differently here. Well, do you do you, let me ask you this, Nick? So as you look into their uh prospects for the season, let me just let's do it like this, right? Let's just say Nuggets, Mavericks, Suns, uh, and then let's say the Wolves. Which of those teams do you think the Lakers have a better offense than on a, like in a, in a series setting? Oh, that's a good question. Like, if you had to pick any of those teams, I, I, I wouldn't say, no, you're right. Okay, I see what you're saying here. Yeah, I wouldn't put them above any of them. Maybe, but then you have Anthony Edwards who can explode for 50 on any given night, right? Like, so, like, maybe the Wolves, I guess. Well, I think that's the problem, right? If, if their strategy is going to be built around, like, the thing is the Lakers, man, they have so many athletes on their roster. Could you go from LeBron to Bando to AD to Camp, Hachimura, Jackson Hayes, Christian Wood, they're just trying to take athletes, put them in space, and switch, defend, play up at the level, drop coverage. They're putting so much pressure on you, running transition, because their half-court offense hasn't been good this year. And so that's the thing with the Lakers. If you get them bogged down and you don't let them run, then you can beat them. Or like tonight with the Mavericks, you're like, oh, actually, we're going to hit 21 three-pointers on you. (laughs) It's just not going to (laughs) miss. 
No, that's a, that's a great point with them. Stick to their identity, which is defense. Again, the athletes is a great point with that. And you look at some of the guys, again, Hachimura is not going to go out and necessarily win a game from you. Trust me, I saw Jackson Hayes enough in New Orleans over the years to be like, no, I don't trust him to go do anything offensively. But those guys can make plays defensively because they're such good athletes. And if you can force those turnovers, get out and run. But again, you go into Luca, who's just on an absolute tear right now. You get other guys stepping up. It makes it makes it kind of tough. What What shouldn't have been tough was the refs and what they did in the game that you watched between the Chicago Bulls and the Denver Nuggets. We will talk about Luke, uh, not Luka Doncic, sorry, Nikola Jokic getting ejected on probably one of the weakest calls you've seen in a while. We'll break that down coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on NBA. Right now, though, I'm excited to tell you about eBay Motors, because our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. So whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked us picked out for us this week on eBay's guaranteed fit fantasy picks of the week. Let's start with Dante Exum, who's a bit of a hero in that game for the Mavs. Look, they're struck down with injuries, and while that's the case, Exum looks like a solid ad. While on the injury front, you also have Isaiah Hartenstein from the New York Knicks with Mitchell Robinson out eight to 10 weeks. Hartenstein's the guy that I think is going to end up being a little bit better fill in the role, even though Jericho Sims is starting. Hartenstein closed the game on Monday for the Knicks. So Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. I actually work on all of my cars. I'm restored a car from 1976 right now. I get all of my parts from eBay Motors. There's no worse feeling than being out there, taking a part off, getting ready to put something new on, get this thing ready to drive, and it doesn't fit. I can't close the hood. The wheel won't go back on properly. Don't need to worry about that with eBay Motors because with over 122 million parts for your vehicle, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. You can upgrade the brakes, LED headlights, roof rack bumpers, whatever it is, eBay Motors has it. And the best part, the part I love the most with ebay's guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your vehicle the first time every time or your money back and at the prices you're burning rubber not cash so keep your vehicle on the road and drive in at ebaymotors.com ebay guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers eligible items only exclusions apply and thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen today and every day. We are here Monday through Friday, breaking down everything around the association. Become an everyday or listen Monday through Friday to the various hosts here. Also, we're on the Locked On Sports Today 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. It's the first of its kind. All of the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Okay, so let's not talk about an awesome game between the Denver Nuggets and the Chicago Bulls because that got completely overshadowed by arguably, I can't even imagine what your reaction to this was, but in this game, you saw Jokic get tossed after 16 minutes, one statement he said, picked up one tech, argued a call with the ref, and then they had basically immediately tossed him. Not even after a second technical, they deemed the language was so bad. This was on Serbian Appreciation Night, is that correct? In Serbian Chicago, Heritage. where Serb Serbian Heritage Night, I'd be willing to bet fans there 
we're paying money to see Jokic and not the Chicago Bulls, right? Like, this is absolutely ridiculous. We do real or fake on Wednesdays. We'll get into that in a second. But what are your initial thoughts on just what happened there in this one? Yeah, I mean, I was flabbergasted. I was watching the game. I was at an event uh, with Maha Sports, and we were, you know, all packed in, you know, this this nice venue. And the game's on the television, and I'm over here trying, trying to focus to get ready for a show later, all this other stuff. And I see Jokic get fouled by Booch, and I'm like, all right, you know, no call. He's obviously going you know, to bicker with the referee a little bit, because I would, because on the replay, he got slapped on his, on his arm. And then, Jake, he, like, goes down the court, and I'm not talking – he doesn't, like, you know, approach him, doesn't run at him, doesn't, like, scream and wave his arms, isn't kicking and screaming. He apparently says a phrase the referee did not take kindly to and got a one technical ejection. One technical ejection, meaning he made up his mind once he heard what he heard that he was going to give a one technical and then send you out of the game because you did something. Your behavior was so aghast. I was so bothered by what you did and what you said that now you got to be removed from the arena and the entire Chicago Bulls arena booed as Jokic left the arena. The announcers for the Chicago Bulls were irate that you would throw out best player in the world and that you would do it of all nights on this night when he's visiting Chicago and all these fans came to Chicago to see him and you throw him out because you don't like that he's pushed back against a missed call. And so what's so crazy to me, Jake, is we saw this with Giannis early this year. Mm-hmm. Giannis got thrown out of a game for nothing. It's... We saw this three weeks ago when Joker got thrown out versus Detroit. It's it's not great, is it? Like this was straight up shocking to see. the The phrase was what it's been reported that he said is, "Call the foul, mother." You, you you can fill in the blank here. Look, that's not that bad. Straight up, that's not that bad. We'll talk about Draymond Green and what happened in the in the next segment here. But look, if you're going to eject players for that. How many of these players aren't going to be playing in any game for the way that they talk when they're out there on the court and the things that they yell? So we play real or fake every Wednesday. I want the audience to play along here. Let us know in the comments down below whether you think this is real or fake. Swipe up, real or fake? The NBA has a referee problem. Real. But this isn't like new. Remember, what was it, a year ago, they tried to implement the rule of like bait fouls and all that. We're going to try to rescind, not call. God, immediately. If you're a small player in the league, you have advantages because you can just create contact as much as you want. No issue. And because you're small, they're just going to believe the flails, all that. Bigger players. Again, Embiid's a great player. Giannis is a great player. But they also utilize the fact that they know that if they fall and create contact, that they're going to get the whistle. But on the other side of this, referees have entirely, entirely too much power. They dictate the terms and the outcome of games by missed calls that they can't be held accountable for. And then on top of that, in the last two-minute report, Jake, like, I don't know if you remember this. Uh, I think it was the 2021 season. Remember Joker got that block on Zion? But then if you look at the the, the film afterwards, he clearly, like, hit Zion's arm. And, like, and Zion mm-hmm. let go of the ball. And the Nuggets won the game. And my whole thing is, like, so you can go back and look at that see that clearly you missed it but in in time situation you can't like look at it and say oh my bad we made a mistake and therefore whatever or if the ball 
goes out on you, but you get fouled and you review the play to see if it went out off of you. Well, it's clear you got fouled and that's why the ball went off of you, but the refs can't overturn that. So my whole thing is referee reads are supposed to be there for the spirit of the game. And Jake, let me ask you this. In Detroit, when Joker got ejected for, again, something extremely light, when Giannis got ejected for something extremely light, and when Joker got ejected today, do you feel like those players were doing something to interfere with the spirit of the game or affecting the on-court play? No, of course not, right? Like, not at all. And, you know, if we're doing real or fake here, this is so real. This is so real. And it feels like this is something that's only going to be a bigger problem going forward, right? Even casual fans know who some of these referees are. That should not ne- right. never be the case, right? I had Pelicans fans coming up to me before and after games being like, oh, I saw the ref assignments for tonight. I saw the ref assignments for next game. And they're like, we're worried about this. Like, that shouldn't be a conversation around things at all. We shouldn't know who any of these folks are, in my opinion. And they're, at times it feels like just wanting to be the stars of the show for whatever reason, as you said in this one, right? I, I'm not, I don't know which ref it was in this one, but like clearly that person made up their mind on what they were going to do. And that shouldn't have been the case, right? Like one of the things I look at this through the lens of is like in terms of load management here, because clearly that Chicago Bulls crowd was there to see Jokic. And if he gets tossed up for 16 minutes, the NBA should, in my opinion, issue refunds to everybody at that game because, it, as you said, the home crowd was booing the referees that the opposing team's best player got ejected. If they're trying to do things to curb load management so it's a better fan experience so that fans can see these best players play, when you have nights like this, that needs to be reviewed and someone from the league needs to make a phone call down to the scores table and be like, no, this dude's staying in the game, right? If they load managed Jokic in this situation, the league would be furious that he didn't play the one time that he would in Chicago, right? But instead, a referee is going to interject themselves into this. You're going to kick him out. It creates the same thing. So when is the NBA going to kind of look at themselves and be like, oh, if we're serious about this and giving the fans the best experience, like we got to fix this, right? Well, to be fair, the NFL, I know some of the referees are, but I know who Ed Hotchley is because he wears the short shirt so you can see his guns and all that stuff. But it's always cool. Like, I have a good association with a lot of umpires in the NFL. But I think the NBA is like, you know, you got some – but just it's just too much. The most popular referee might right now might be Scott Foster, but it's not because of good things. It's only <laughs> no. because there is on-the-record beef between Scott, Chris Paul, and Chris Paul's family. Why do we know this? Why is this? <laughs> why is the NBA so reticent to just say you can no longer referee Chris Paul games? Because you've already created a psychological disadvantage for Chris Paul and the team he's on because he has to see you. I, so I'm not, I'm not just playing against the team. I'm playing against you. And then now, oh, Tony Brothers with his history with Jokic and some other players. Or now this ref, oh, he said he called me an MFer. Get out the game type deal. But I'm saying, Jake. You're too involved. Yeah, look, trust me, I'm with you. I'm entirely with you on this. Like, this shouldn't be that hard, right? Like, this is is the type of thing that makes you want, like, robot umpires and refs that just, like, call this and take the human element kind of out of all of this. And look, you don't want to bog the game down with reviews and things like that, but you got to start getting some of these things right, particularly in the final two minutes. You know, the last two-minute report, good for the league. I'm glad they're transparent on things, but... 
look, as we get more involved with gambling and things like that too, like this becomes a huge factor with this, right? right. Like the NBA That's with the, go ahead. That we that one ref got called out, but you that's, that's what I'm trying to tell you, Jay. The NBA is getting in bed with gambling. They're getting in bed more and more. Now you got Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal telling you uh, player player props, you know, over unders and all that stuff. Now when you look on the game, the local broadcast is telling you, oh, mm-hmm. you know, Luka Doncic, you know, uh, minus two hundred for twenty five or more or whatever. And you think that some referees who are dictating the game are not going to somehow, some way, maybe, like there already has been reportedly, play, getting involved in this. That's what I'm saying. This is so dangerous. And you already have referees who are already not doing a good job of creating a healthy culture while they're on the court. So, man, I'm telling you, man, this this, this is really like, I, I think the NBA is like, it's going to be in for a real treat in the next coming years. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it. On this game, quickly, before we wrap this up, Denver won 114-106. You cover the Nuggets. This tell you more about Denver or or more about the Chicago Bulls in this game. Well, yeah, Chicago they're nine and sixteen now. The Nuggets are sixteen and nine. So yeah, absolutely. You know, Chicago they're not in a good place. They didn't have Caruso. They didn't have. They did not have Levine. But again, you know, the Nuggets. Uh, Julian Strother, another back to back game. Sixteen six and three for him. Two of five from three. Christian Round thirteen points tonight. Uh, Peyton Watson four points. And then Reggie Jackson. Again, a lot of people slept on his signing. Reggie Jackson twenty five points and six assists. His fifth straight 20-point game when he's a starter with the Denver Nuggets. Aaron Gordon, 14-7-6, and and Michael Porter Jr., 17-7, and and shot 6 of 16 from the field. And all the starters were in a positive and a plus-minus. So I think one team is a champion looking to repeat, and the other one is like apparently still trying to recoup assets to build around DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, that's going to be interesting what they do. Go listen to the Lockdown Bulls podcast to see if you can make any sense of their future because I don't as have any clue. Also, go listen to Lockdown Nuggets. I'm sure y'all are going to be covering this and breaking it all down with the with the ejection and everything. So it's going to be great to hear a little bit more of that over at the Lockdown Nuggets podcast. Coming up, there was another ejection. It was Draymond Green as Bradley Beal made his return. We'll talk about that because... Oh, God, does the NBA have to do something about Draymond Green? And I'm certain they will after that. That's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on NBA. Right now, though, I'm excited to tell you about Game Time. I actually personally just used Game Time the other day. Buying tickets can be frustrating. You don't know if your seats are going to be good. You might go and buy tickets, and all of a sudden, it's like triple the price because of hidden fees and different things like that, and you don't know when you should buy. Now, later, will the price drop? It can be a lot of uncertainty around that. You don't need to worry about any of that with Game Time because Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You get to view the you get to see the view from your seats before you. Buy. It's an all in price showed up front, so you're not getting any hidden fees or anything like that. And my favorite part the game time guarantee. It means you're always going to get the best price. If you find the same tickets, uh, sorry, the tickets in the same section and row for less, game time is going to credit you 110% of the difference. Buy tickets to the Saints Rams game, knowing that if the price dropped in that same section and row, Don't need to worry about it. I still got the best deal possible. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. We just made it cheaper for you. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code LOCKEDONNBA, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. 
And thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen today and every day. We are here Monday through Friday, breaking down everything you want to know around the association. The biggest stories here, rotating hosts. It's a lot of fun. Also, go listen to Locked On Warriors, Locked On Suns, Locked On Mavs, Locked On Lakers. We're covering all those here. They're going to have more depth. The local hosts know what's going on with those teams. So I wasn't expecting to actually get a very good game between the Golden State Warriors and the Phoenix Suns with this one. You know, I thought the Suns were trolling us a little bit. Bradley Beal's making his return in this one. We finally think we're going to see a debut of the Suns' big three in Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Beal. Then Kevin Durant is ruled out. This one actually goes down to the wire, but gets a little bit overshadowed by Draymond Green getting ejected yet again after hitting Yusuf Nurkic in the face Nurkic fouled Draymond Green. They didn't call it. He looked frustrated, then kind of flailed his arms around and smacked the heck out of Yusuf Nurkic. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but given what he had... (laughs) That's a good face. Given what has happened with his career and the suspension earlier in the season... He's going to get suspended for multiple games again this time, right? It definitely seems like the NBA is going to come down hard on him. Oh, you're muted. Hold on. There we go. I don't even know what else to do here. I mean, the if like if you just look at the action, he literally spins around, yeah, swings his arm up toward and basically punches Yusuf Nurkic. Like this is asinine. Like this, this Draymond at this point has proven. Because he said he even said after he came back from the Rudy thing, he justified it by saying, "Well, I'm always going to defend my teammate." And so some Warriors fans, not all of them, were like, "Oh well." You know, and then Steve Kerr was like, well, you know, Rudy was like doing this and that and all. everybody's always making excuses for him. And again, even me, I like Draymond. I think he's a really good player, one of the best defensive players of all time. But the issue is kicking people in the growing area, the whole thing with Jordan Poole, choking Rudy Gobert, punching Yusuf Nurkic, and then stomping, stomping on the chest of DeMontis Sabonis. So we've had just this year, 2023, calendar year. <laughs> Stopping on somebody's chest, choking Rudy Gobert, and then now punching Yusuf Nurkic. This is a person who does not have enough self-control, who's completely enabled by the system that he's in. He's enabled by the networks because he works for TNT, works for Colin Cowherd, and now he's untouchable because even when he gets on somebody, they're, oh, well, you know, that's just Draymond. Just got to just grit and tough. No, you punch someone. That's it. Like, honestly, the NBA should treat this like they would any standard fight, 15, 20 games for Draymond. Because for me at this point, Jack, I'm like, if he's not going to change his behavior, we're going to force him to. Because this has been years now of you repeatedly not towing the line, going way further than anybody else in the league is. Jay, I have a question for you. This is, this is, this is another segment of uh, tell me if this is true or not. What player do you know besides Draymond Green would kick, punch, and choke someone all in the span of one year besides Raymond Green. No, there's there's not a I was gonna say Chris Paul almost as a joke, but no, like it's definitely nobody else is going to do something like this. Well, it, it's to your point, right? Like his head coach makes excuses. I'm gonna be curious. I haven't seen any of the post game on what Steve Kerr's gonna say about this. And is he gonna try and justify it? Or is he finally gonna be like, Yeah, that one was bad, and he, he you know, give him his suspension. You know, it's almost like admitting guilt might get him off a little bit easier here than what it could be if you think they should spend it suspend him for 15 games or so. But Kerr's gonna probably try and justify it. At 
least kind of back his player, but they do need to come down hard on him this time. Like it just, they absolutely have to, because this, again, I don't know if it was necessarily intentional. It might not have been, but he probably doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt when it comes to this either at this point in time, right? Like you just have to assume. Momentum made his arm swing upward. That's what I'm trying to say. Like for me, you, I mean, I'm sure you have sports that you like to play. You you are not an NBA athlete, and you have better self control of your body than Draymond did in that instance. So either you're not you're not conditioned enough, or you just don't know how to use your limbs, or you intentionally hit this man in the head. No, that's fair. Like he did not need to react the way that he did whatsoever in this, right? And by doing that, and you make a good point. He's kind of like bent over to the way he swings his arms; they go up. That's not the most natural. Reaction here. I don't know what he was hoping to accomplish either by something like this, right? It's just so brain dead move. And look, they lost this game. It was close, right? 119, 116. They could have won with him. They Steve Kerr made some great decisions in the second half here to get uh, Looney out of the game, to go with Podzimski in there as well, and to make some changes that really worked well for the Warriors in the second half. Changes they've probably needed to make for a while because that starting unit has just really not been it whatsoever, especially with Klay Thompson, who struggled in this game too, just seven points on the night on two of 10 shooting. And... They could have won this game. They haven't been good on the road. This is their sixth straight road loss. You need Draymond Green in this game, probably. He, You could argue that he cost them the win with this. This is something that should upset Steve Kerr that they need to try and stamp out for what feels like could be one of the last rides with this roster in this team where, look, we saw what they went through last season with the home and road splits. You probably really needed to win this game. Now the Golden State, uh, now the Suns have the tiebreaker over the Warriors too. They're up 3-0 on the in a four-game season series here, this could at least put you in the running to split that. Like, this ends up being so costly that, yeah, everyone probably needs. The the league doesn't want this. The Warriors shouldn't want this at this point either. So it's going to be interesting to see the approach that they take with this because they've they've just kind of, in a sense, coddled, I think, Draymond Green with all of this for his career. The Warriors, they're two and a half games back of the Pelicans, and they're an 11 seed now because of this loss, with two straight losses. This team can't play around. Do you know no. why? Because their best player is 35 years old and has been injured in multiple seasons in the last few years. So what happens when Steph Curry needs to take his typical 15 to 20 games off this year, Jake? Who's no, you, and, and no, it is. It's it's not it's not Moody. It's not Kaminga. It's you know maybe it's Pizemski. He's nice, but also you're gonna rely on a rookie to do that. Like their two timelines just didn't pan out, so it puts even more of a pressure on Curry. Like you don't you don't trust Chris Paul to last a whole season or to necessarily show up in the playoffs, right? Like no, you you need these games right now. Again, they can't have the same road record they did last season they're better than that already but like this is costly and it's because Draymond Green did something really stupid that he didn't need to do that could have gotten them this win which would have mattered a lot I think what what about the Phoenix Suns in this one it was nice to see Bradley Beal back out there on the court of course we didn't get to see the big three with Kevin Durant but Beal and Booker Booker going for 32 points in this one Beal in his return not having the best shooting night but 16 points he he what they need him to do at this point is just, in my opinion, is anchor 
the bench units. They've been good this season when Booker's on the court, when Durant's on the court, when both of them share the court. They have not been good when both those guys are off the court, which is to be expected. But now you have Beal, where you never need to really worry, it feels like, about having a lineup or a, you know, a roster out there where one of those guys or both of the two of the three aren't on the court at the same time. That strikes me as kind of important for the Phoenix Suns. Right. Yeah. I mean, if I'm going to have one of those players anchor the bench in the first half, it's probably not going to be Bill, it's probably going to be Booker, honestly, but Bill's going to be, yeah. I mean, you know, he first game back dealing with injuries, five and 12. I don't really have an issue with it. Devin Booker was incredible. 12 of 23 for 32 and seven assists plus 15 plus 10 for Nurkic. And then Metu, 14 and 5, 5 of 7, and plus 28 for Metu. That's incredible. The 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 they put the Warriors starters, every single one of them were in a negative and a plus minus in double digits, except for Clay Thompson. And it includes Steph Curry, who was a minus 15, shot eight of 24. So look, I'm telling you, man, like I think the Suns, I, I said before the season, they're one of the teams that I know people want to make fun of and laugh and like they got down 30. In game seven last game six last year at home, I get it. But they have a lot of good pieces on the team. They have a lot of wings in that roster, and they can outshoot you on a lot of nights. So and I think Frank Vogel's doing a pretty good job considering all the injuries and stuff they had to work through and then all the minimum contract guys. So I'm I think they're gonna be pretty good the rest of the year, especially when they get everybody healthy. Yeah, it's good. I think it just kind of like stabilizes them and fixes one of like their biggest issues, which is like at times depth, I think. Right. Like there's a couple guys you probably just don't want to rely upon or don't necessarily think you can rely upon. But when you have your three guys back, it allows you to kind of thread them in. You can then take Booker out earlier, have him run with that second unit to anchor those lineups. That becomes a real big thing. And it really just kind of completely changes their rotation. Josh Akogi got hurt in this one. We'll see how that impacts them. He's been one of their best defenders for it all. But. Oh, this is a fun one. Went down yeah. to the wire for a late game. They were three-point shots being traded. Pazemski was great for the Warriors, I thought, in this one. They really needed him to step up. He had 20 points off the bench. We're going to see how both these te teams go, and we'll see what the Warriors do. Go listen to Locked On Warriors. Go listen to Locked On Suns for more on both of those teams here. Look, that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On NBA. I'm your usual co-host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. He is Swipe, a host of Locked On Nuggets. I appreciate you being here with me, man. It was kind of perfect with the, with the Jokic news and everything. Yeah, well, you know, you know the NBA. Uh, a lot of drama, a lot of basketball. You're going to get both of them. Yeah, you are definitely going to get all of that. Appreciate y'all listening. It should be Nick Angstad and Pat the Designer on tomorrow's show. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'll see you all next time.